everyone. I'm Dave Sandell. And I'm Caleb Gardner. And this is the Best Album 4 Podcast, a podcast where we talk about the best album for burying a body with your friends. <laughs> so right off the bat, this was a listener-submitted suggestion, which I feel some obligation to accept. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a morbid one. We don't know if it was based on a real-life situation or not. Yes, I, I have not heard a confession. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe he's planning for the future. Yeah, you never he just know. Needs to know. He just wants yeah. to know, like, what should I play? He's a Boy Scout. He's always trying to be prepared. There you have it. He doesn't strike me as the type of person who would be in a situation where one would have to bury your body. But I guess we have public services to do, to offer people, so... If television has taught me anything, it's that it can happen to anyone, Dave. So I think that's where we should start is I think I like my whole imagination of this process is Goodfellas. It's burying Billy Bats (laughs) in Goodfellas, which there's not even music playing underneath that. Like there's kind of music around that scene, but there's not music while they're actually doing it. But in my head, it's like all like the Shangri-Las and like, you know, old school, like I don't know what the right word is here, but kind of retro music. Uh, And then I have sort of this Quentin Tarantino thing in my head of like, should we go with something that's completely like chaotic and like far removed from this situation? Like, should we be doing something upbeat and poppy and exciting? Because that's what (laughs) Quentin Tarantino would do. (laughs) Yeah. Just make it completely like stand out as part of the scene instead of like kind of fading into the background. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I was actually like a little tripped up by the with a friend part. Mm. I was like, I feel like there are music for bearing. There's music for bearing a body. And then the music for bearing a body with a friend made me think like, oh, God, what happened? Like, is this is this my friend murdered someone? And now I'm having to be a stand up guy and like figure out if I'm going to be his friend. Um, Or like, did something happen to a mutual friend? And now we are having to bury a (laughs) mutual friend. (laughs) Yeah, this is going to get dark. That's what I'm saying. Just trigger warning ahead of time. This is going to get dark. Oh my God, what happened? Like, I feel like there's just, there's a, but like the mood I would want to set for those different, those scenarios is very different, right? You should pull the plug on this right now. (laughs) (laughs) I got to ask, when you were imagining the situation, were you the friend who was making the call or were you the friend who was being called? I was imagining myself as the friend who was being called. Same. So, like, my friend needs to bury a body. I get a call in the middle of the night, and Dave says something terrible has happened. Dave. Somebody else. (laughs) Dave. (laughs) Obviously, I'm imagining you. Come on. Um, So, I was the one who was... (laughs) But in this scenario of yours, I'm the one who's calling you, but you get to pick the music? (laughs) That is, that is shotgun. Correct. Also, I get to drive. I get to call the music. <laughs> oh, okay, brother. fine. I'll help you, but I get to. I get to control the radio. <laughs> Don't mess with my presets. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh my goodness! Why do you think people in society and like culture are so drawn to this scenario? I don't know. Just like morbid curiosity. We're fascinated with like crime shows. Yeah. Like it's just, it's, it's the like mystery of it. It's the, like, it's the intrigue. It's the, it's the like same instinct about wanting to like watch a car wreck as it, as you drive by, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like, it's drama. It's intrigue. You want to know what happens. 
you want to you like think about what would I do in that situation? Right. You kind of game. You got to game it out for yourself. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Now, what doesn't happen usually is that, you know, you don't see the character go, what music should I be playing right now? (laughs) And so I do feel like we are adding to that crime genre through the contribution of this podcast. I couldn't agree more. I, you, you know that meme that's like uh maybe it's not a meme maybe this is actual real advice that says like if the way you unwind is by listening to true crime something is really wrong with you like you need to seek some therapy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> true crime podcast man like they are insanely popular they really are and people seem they, to really be drawn to them yeah so again you're already listening to crime in your ears we're just we're just coming at it from another angle i guess Assuming, assuming that you read into the scenario as you're burying the body because something terrible happened and not you just are a pallbearer at your friend's mutual well, funeral. I guess that's a very different scenario. That is yeah. not what we're talking about today. That was not I don't know that I personally I have the it. stomach for that one. Yeah, that was not <laughs> how I went with it. But, but there was a time I did consider. I was like, wait, should I be considering that scenario too? And then I ultimately did not. So yeah. I think we're, I think we ended up in the same place. <laughs> I definitely have this sense of like, uh, you know, everything has changed. Nothing will ever be the same. We can never speak of this again. Like that was kind of the vibe that I was going for of like, it's kind of like Friday Night Lights season two, where they bury the body. Like, you know, this is <laughs> our secret. We must keep the secret. Nothing will ever be the same. Never seen it. Never seen it. Well, that, let me we, tell did you. we talk about this? How, why I never watched Friday Night Lights? No, tell me. Because it was so much like my hometown and my family. Like I watched like one episode and I was like, nope, can't do it. Too triggering for me. Like the grandma in Friday Night Lights basically might as well be my grandma. Same accent. She looks like her. Their hairstyle's the same. I was like, I can't do this. This is too, <laughs> too close to real life for me. Also having been a high school football player. Uh, kidding. Kidding. Those I'm of you don't know me right now, know I'm how wondering. completely how that could be true that scenario is (laughs) (laughs) if you ever do get around to you can just straight up skip season two season Ah. two is the worst oh yes i've heard this and they do bury about that in season two it's very strange for a show that's grounded in about high school don't they like not even talk about it late like they just pretend that whole plot line didn't exist Uh, they pretend every plot line from season two doesn't (laughs) exist there's no plot line in season two that has any ramifications for the rest of the show that's so weird very strange anyway this is not the best podcast we're talking about friday nights (laughs) although gladly would record that but you'd have to watch the show yeah yeah gonna have to get someone else so both for where you grew up and where you live now, have you gamed out in your head like what where you would go? Like what's the secret place that nobody would ever find it? Like what's the what's <laughs> oh, kind of the steps? <laughs> so wait, wait. Now I have to pick the music and I have to find the place. So my friend just called me and they've got the body, but I've got to find the location. Is that what you're telling me? This is asking if you gamed it out in your this head. This is asking a lot. <laughs> it's like planning a heist. I've, you know, planned heists in my head before. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Um, no, however, I will say that I grew up next to a wildlife refuge Mm. and a lot of open land. And I think that save dropping a body in the middle of the ocean, which is what happens in a lot of these scenarios, I think you could probably, you know, unless they've got like thousands and thousands of people covering acres and acres of land, I'm positive that there are plenty of bodies buried in Oklahoma that no one has ever found. (laughs) Hang on real quick. I'm just going to patch the police into this podcast so they can listen to your 
confessions. I didn't say I, one of my bodies. I just said <laughs> in general, as a, as a pro tip, pro tip, probably, you know, got a lot of land to cover. We're several weeks ahead of recording at this point. And so when this is published, if, if you friends of yours never see you again, they will know it's because you incriminated <laughs> yourself. You gave yourself about three weeks to get your life backed up. And then, okay, okay. <laughs> I know this is off topic, but I gotta, I gotta just shout out that a friend of mine. So, so as we're recording, Meta just launched Threads, which is a new Twitter. We're not gonna get into it, but it's now you know people are going after it, like posting all kinds of things, going crazy, scratching the itch they haven't been able to scratch on Twitter for a long time. And one of my friends is a public defender, and her first thing that she posted was just a reminder. For everyone getting on this new platform, never confess to a crime online. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, the fact that you have to say that means that you have defended people <laughs> repeatedly more than once have committed to have confessed to committing a crime online. I think that uh, 45 has proven that you can confess to whatever you want to and it's fine. As long as it's there will out be in the no open. consequences. Yeah. As long as you're not secretive about it. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> so just become an elected president and you can Ugh. do whatever you want. Yeah. Seriously. Okay. There's, the, there's that sigh you told me I always do on podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. So I guess let's get into it. I, I'm like finding myself wanting to prolong the like lead time because I don't I both am very excited to talk about my music this week and also super don't want to talk about this topic. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is like the uh you know the um peyote one all over again. <laughs> yeah. Like all of my friends will be like, Ooh, who are you? <laughs> like what <laughs> what is wrong with you? Oh, I mean, would you be but would you wouldn't you be more concerned if they were like, Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> I guess that's I guess that's accurate. <laughs> I, I think I'll be most concerned if this is our most downloaded episode so far. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, oh boy. <laughs> really hit a nerve here. Oh, crossover maybe, appeal. Yeah. SEO value. I don't know. Yeah, Serial will be contacting us soon to plan their future soundtracks. Exactly. <laughs> All right, buddy. So I guess I got nothing left to ask except for what is the music that you would choose if you were burying a body with your friend? So again, I went I went a couple of different ways with this. I was the with a friend part really caught me. I was like, you know how good of a friend am I being in this situation or, you know, how outside the law am I? Um, and you know, I, I was, I was obviously you're going to want something dark, but there's a, like so many different versions of dark. I think, um, there's like dark and secretive, there's dark and kind of more electronic, there's dark and metal. Um, I ended up going with something I think that was a little bit unexpected. And that is, um, Randy Newman's, you've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. <laughs> you've got a friend in me. What? Just, Tarantino just kidding. Just kidding. Um, my pick, um, uh, you and I were texting about this and whether or not this is the right call for this. Cause I love, I love Deftones and I went with their 2010 album, Diamond Eyes. It's one of my favorite albums of theirs. Probably, if I had to rank them, is my third favorite. But in recent years, I've probably listened to it the most. It's one of those where it's like, okay, if you're asking me to rank quality, White Pony is probably my top. I'm not, and I'm not convinced that White Pony isn't the right call for this, but it is, it's one of those albums where 
we just got to save it because there's so much to talk about, and this probably isn't the topic for it. But that is a, I that still is think, a shared love of art. White Pony is a, yes, like, a shared 100%. connection for us. Yeah, great album, and has a lot of themes that I think would work so well for this. But I also think Diamond Eyes works very well, and and want to talk about this album because I love it. So it's probably White Pony, and then. Um, Around the Fur, just from a nostalgic value, because that was my like entry point to Deftones when I was a teen. Um, and then Diamond Eyes, this great album that come, came out in 2010. So there was this dramatic moment where um, their bass player, Chi Cheng, um, died in 2008 after a car accident. And they were working on some new music. And they ended up kind of shelving that project and then coming back and doing it with a, a new bass player. Um, and creating more music, which became the album Diamond Eyes. But it, it has a distinctly different flavor than some of the albums that were coming out right before it. Um, in that, I think that the, the, uh, the lead singer, um, Chino Moreno, has said that um, Diamond Eyes really is where the band really came closer together after the mm-hmm. death of, of Chi Chang. Um, and so... <laughs> ironically this is so funny that i'm choosing it for this because ironically um i can't even i can't even get through this without laughing chino moreno said that this this album has a positive zest for life (laughs) (laughs) which just makes it okay so funny to me i know exactly if you know anything about about deftones like it's like all violence and there's stuff there especially his (laughs) lyrics are mostly super dark i mean the one of the big reasons i chose this album is a song called rocket skates which i just absolutely love it's just such a like it's one of those where you just put it in your headphones and you turn up the volume and you just let it just like grind but like the, the main like refrain is you'll be red soaking wet and i'll be right next to you and then he screams like guns razors knives (laughs) real zest for life positive zest for life but like you know i i thought you'll be red soaking wet i'll be right next to you like i'll be right next to you is the friend i'm the friend Uh, right next you're red soaking wet and i'm just standing right next to you i like it watching supervising right over there the other thing I want to say about Rocket Skates, you've got, you've got to listen to this because it's just a wild, fun, crazy track. It's Chino Moreno does this thing where he's screaming guns, razors, knives, and he's got this great growl that's pretty you know famous that he brings out in mm-hmm. Deftone songs ever. But then after he screams that, after each refrain, he goes, Woo! <laughs> it's just so fun and and like you and i saw deftones together yeah um was it last year yeah and that was my first time seeing them live and i've been a fan and like i mean deftones is one of those bands that i loved when i was a teen and not a lot of the bands that i loved as a teen have really survived in my rotation Hmm. not a lot of bands from the new metal era definitely have survived in my rotation but deftones has this staying power um because they've been They've actually been called the Radiohead of metal in yeah, that they that. are experimental. They try new things. They expand their sound. They are one of those metal bands that has inspired a whole generation of other metal bands for that reason. Um, and so that combined with 
the distinctness of their sound driven a lot by Chino Moreno's voice, which has this like delicate, soft, almost quality when he's singing. And then he gets into this like screaming growl and like intensity. And that combination, I think, is just so fun. Anyway, so I think that this this album, again, one of my favorites of all Deftones albums. Deftones have put out a lot of albums. Like they really they put have. Out a, yeah. They've put out a ton. But this, I think, is my my third favorite. But you really, I mean, there's not a lot to me, again, as a as a Deftones fanboy, there's not a lot that you can go wrong with almost any album. Like I can put on mm-hmm. almost any one, but I think I think those three are still my go-tos. I think they're the best quality-wise. Do you find so when I listen to to music like Def, like Deftones, uh I find that it puts me in a very specific headspace and their music has some catharsis to it. Yeah. And it, it definitely is like, you know, bottom heavy, like there's bass and there's beats. Sure. Like there's, you know, there's, there's more going on here than just like kind of shredding guitars. And when I listen to this music, I am just like amped up and adrenaline and, you know, ready to conquer whatever needs to be conquered in that moment. Like, this is great <laughs> workout music. This is great. Yeah. Like, I just need to, like, let off some steam music. Um, do you find that with Deftones, you go to them to get in a mood, or you go to them because that's already the mood that you're in? I think it's probably the latter. Like, I will reach for them if I'm already feeling intense, angry, or, like, you know, I'm looking for some intensity because I'm kind of in an emotional mood. But I will go through these periods. At least once a year, I go through, like, a Deftones period where they're, like, the only thing I want to listen to mm-hmm. for like three weeks. And I don't know what it is, but that like, I need that itch scratched at least once a year of like complete intensity, you know, screaming in my like headphones and no one else in my house will listen to this with me, obviously. So this is a very <laughs> solitary experience. Sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> because I love Deftones so much. I've tried other kind of metal bands over the years and some, even some newer metal bands and found some things that I actually enjoy, but nothing comes compares to how often I will want to lift and listen to Deftones or put Deftones on at, by far. I think for me, I mean, there, there is certainly that, that, rhythm section that I, I'm drawn to that's a little different than other metal bands. But the thing that I'm most drawn to is, is Chino's voice. Like, yep. you know, I listened to a group like Deaf Heaven, where I actually like Deaf Heaven's music uh, for me is like the, the kind of peak cathartic experience that somebody can have. But the vocalist is just screaming. Like there's, it's just this guttural loud scream and there's no other gear. It's just screaming all the time. can't really like it's just a it's a choice you know like i'm not yeah i don't have you know an ear for how do we separate the screaming or i don't know people who are really into metal music must love it like must love people screaming at them in their headphones for for some time and for me that is i don't know maybe a little ptsd like i don't know what it is exactly (laughs) but i just like can't get there so with chino because he has a really beautiful voice and because he is singing emotively and, and plaintively um, I find that I'm like drawn into his music, even though when I actually sit down and break down the lyrics, I'm like, Whoa, these are, <laughs> this is dark. <laughs> yeah. like, this is a lot of violence in this music. Like a lot of, yeah. um, a lot of pictures of violence. And I don't know from, from what I've read, I don't think he's storytelling from a personal experience place, just sort of storytelling from a, um, kind of a mood <laughs> yeah. that he experiences. Um, 
But in I, a way I that I've them... heard like some hip hop artists describe how they will like craft lyrics where it's mm-hmm. almost like they're living out of fantasy or like exploring, you know, an imaginary world. Um, and he's he's talked about, I think, since starting with White Pony and on, I think he really his lyricism like really leaned into that kind of fantasy um, versus kind of writing about what he knew. Yeah, I, I was so grateful to go to that concert with you because uh, it was this like shared effervescent experience of yes. everybody in the crowd was rocking out and it gave us permission to rock out and us rocking out gave other people permission to rock out. And so, you know, finally I'm in a place where everybody wants to listen to Deftones as loud as we can and kind of headbang <laughs> as much as we can. And and that feels a little silly. Like I, I guess when I was like young, much, much younger, um, you know, having sort of a solo, like, rock out experience in my car or whatever felt more exciting or cathartic. And now it feels a little like, I don't know, silly is probably the wrong word, but it's like a cousin of silly. Uh, But in that space, I just got to fully embrace the silliness of it. And like the, you know, this is all the music that I was terrified of when I was a kid, this like kind of loud, crunchy, screamy, you know, guttural music that, that I was really drawn to as well. Um, And I find that now that I'm older, it all feels a little like over the top and, and whatever. Uh, but then when I'm in the, when, in, when I'm experiencing it live, uh, it really comes together for me because I get to just like give myself over to it for a little bit yeah, uh, and just have a lot of fun. <laughs> there's like, so I think there's an uncanny valley of hardcore music. Follow, follow me for just a second okay. in that. And, and I think this is true of metal. I think it's true of rap. I think it's probably true for a few other genres where at some point you are trying to be so hardcore and so serious that you're like, this is, this is comical. Like, what are you even talking? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, it's just like, you, you can't even take it seriously anymore because you were taking yourself so seriously. But past that, when artists can get like a place with, with hardcore themes and hardcore sounds and to where they can, they can have a playfulness with it, and they can they can marry that hardcoreness with, you know, with saying woo right after, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Um, or Kendrick can talk about some super hard, like really hard themes, but also clearly be having fun. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like I there's artists that can that kind of transcend the genre and also just kind of look back at it and say, like, we don't really need to take ourselves this seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, I think do the best at that. Like those are at least for me, I should speak very personally. Like at least for me, those are the artists that I'm attracted to in those genres that are, that are a little heavier and a little more serious. Cause I agree. I'm not really attracted to the ones that just scream all the time. (laughs) Like I can't, I remember there's a few albums that got really great reviews and I'll put them on and the first two minutes are nothing but screaming. I'm like, Nope, can't, I just can't do it. Like it's just, it's too much. Well, it's interesting because I love that loud guitar. I mean, you know, I'm a shoegaze guy. Like, I love that loud guitar experience and, and certainly the loud drums. Like, I find, so I look at Stereo Gum a lot, and Stereo Gum uh, recommends a lot of metal albums. I don't know if they have just one person on their staff that loves it or if they have, or if multiple people on their staff have decided that metal is one of our main genres, but they recommend a lot of metal music. And uh, every time I'm like, oh, this is cool. And then somebody starts screaming. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> All right, well done there. It's actually interesting to me because in coming back to the Deftones, they bury Chino's voice in the mix a little bit more than other bands. Like I don't think yeah. that his voice is the main 
Um, it's definitely not the the thing up front. Like the guitars and the and the drums are often louder than his vocals, and his vocals kind of exist in this sort of ethereal place where they kind of float in and out of the music just as another instrument. And that's kind of cliche to say, but I think it's true for Deftones. Like I think that's they, what they're aiming for, for sure. Yeah, I think so as well. I've heard him talk about White Pony and saying like they had a sound in their mind that they couldn't quite you know, nail in the studio and then on White Pony, they finally figured it out. And what I hear, you know, going from Round of Fur and Adrenaline to White Pony is, you know, that bottom heavy sound that, um, you know, the, the crispness of the guitars uh, and then Chino's voice being a little bit more buried. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's really, really interesting. Yeah, it works. I think it, it works. It, and, and they're again, their screaming is like not all the time. Like yeah, it's like right, it's right. applied as a part of their sound, but it's not it's not leaned on too heavily, especially maybe you could you would argue like in Adrenaline or Around the Fur when they were really like coming up and all the all the bands mm. were trying to scream at everything. Right. Um, I think it in White Pony, they got the balance of that white that right, too. Um, so you get in the car and you mm-hmm. put on Deftones. Yep. And what's the mood? What's the mood in the car as I you're mean, on the way? Zest for life, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. That's why we go to the Deftones. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, I mean, <laughs> it just, it has to be listened to loudly. You know, like it just, it's, it's one of those where you need some catharsis. I think you said it earlier. Like you need some like just super loud, screamy kind of like cathartic music. Um, and sometimes I, I think I'd put it on at times where I am feeling particularly dissonant with my surroundings. Like I'm either either getting kind of frustrated with work or with home life or whatever. Like I'm feeling I'm feeling a little bit. Where, where that dissonant feeling turns into a little bit of a feeling of rebelliousness. You know, like that's kind of yeah. where, where Deftones meets me, I think. When you listen to that type of music in that type of emotional setting, do you find that it helps you get back to groundedness or does it pull you further away, like further into your own, like maybe pity party is the wrong word here, but your own kind <laughs> of self-righteous BS? I honestly don't think it does either. I think it just meets oh. me there. Yeah, okay. And then like, I feel like I end up pulling myself out of it later, you know, like, I don't, Fair. I don't know that it necessarily like, influences me one way or the other. This is like something about music that I've thought about a lot over the years is like, do I do tend to listen to music that resonates with my current mood versus like mm-hmm. trying to use it to force me into another mood, but I've found that the other one just doesn't work. So I might as well just kind of lean into where I'm at. Yeah. You know, so I went through a a pretty intense new metal phase, just like a lot of people my age, a lot of guys my age, I should say. Yes. Um, You know, and, (laughs) you know, I was really into (laughs) Korn. And I actually think Korn is a pretty cool band still. Like they, they're doing things sonically that are just interesting enough that I can stick with them, you know, 30 years later. When I go back and listen to Limp Bizkit, it's just all like nightmare fuel like so what <laughs> why was i so into this like i don't I understand Same. i don't understand the appeal now like i go Same. listen to like kid rock i had the best live experience with kid rock have i ever told you this did and you we, uh yeah we went to a festival where kid rock was headlining on the back of whatever album bawa da ba was on yeah. and um i have no idea what that album's called that's weird i have a lot of nerd geekery in my head i have no sense of uh <laughs> of you've kid tried Rock's. to you've intentionally tried to expunge that from your memory 
But about a few, maybe a song, maybe just one or two songs into the set, his guitarist broke his leg or broke his something. Whoa. And I assumed that the concert was over. But instead, they bring out, do you remember Buck Cherry? Yeah. So they bring out Buck Cherry's guitarist because they were on the festival, uh, you know, they were playing the festival too. They bring out Buck Cherry's guitarist and they just played like Creedence covers the rest of the night. And it was great. It was such a great experience. It's like, oh, I get to just listen to Kid Rock do Creedence covers. I'm here for that. That sounds fun. Well, that's pro- that was probably a better concert than the original one anyway. I think so. It was it definitely made for a better hour and a half long set. Like, I don't really understand how he was going to fill that set. <laughs> anyway, I'm getting yeah. really distracted here in Kid Rock. But I was trying I will- to say was, uh, you know, when I look at my like nine, like my 90s, late 90s, new metal self, I was definitely going for self-righteousness. Like I was definitely using that music to fuel more anger and fuel more like I'm angry at the world and everybody, you know, I'm, I've been, what's the word taken advantage of or like a good teenager should. I mean, that's like, that's like the spot where you live when you're a teenager. (laughs) I mean, I, I will say that I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of the fact that I was never into kid rock. I don't know why, but his like his whole shtick from the moment it came out, I was like, what is this? This is stupid. But I was definitely <laughs> I saw Limp Biscuit in concert. Unfortunately, um, how, how did that go for you? I mean, it was huge. Yeah, they the were only fun. concerts. They were a big I mean, band. yeah, they were a big band. And the only concerts I could see you as a teenager in Oklahoma were like at the, you know, basketball center in Oklahoma City. Like those were the only places artists would really go for us to see concerts. And that was like a whole trip for me. Um, so I do have the unfortunate history of having gone out of my way to see Limp Biscuit in concert when I was, you know, <laughs> 17 or whenever that was. Sure. Um, but Corn, I think I, I loved more and Deftones, I definitely loved more. Yeah. I do, I do agree. Corn was like more experimental, more interesting. But now, even when I go back and listen to Corn albums, I'm like, why did I think this was so deep? Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. The- yeah. I'm like, what? What are they even talking about? <laughs> yeah. They strike me as a band who has their tongue a little bit in their cheek. Um, yeah, and maybe. honestly, Limp Bizkit probably did too. It just felt it's so like the lyrics are so simplistic and so dumb that like it's hard to believe that he wasn't taking himself seriously. Like, yeah, right. I, it, you know, I actually think if he was taking himself, un, if he wasn't taking himself seriously, the lyrics would have been more fun or more like ridiculous. But they're yeah. just like, there's nothing, ah, whatever. We're on a Limp Bizkit ride now, and we're supposed to be talking about burying your body with your friends. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which they're they're related. <laughs> I, oh, goodness. This is a bad one. This okay, is a, okay. We're bad okay. people. Last, last note I will say about Deftones before yeah. we move on. At that concert, it was just so apparent how much fun they were having. Mm. Like, they were still 20-plus years in playing their music for people who were in love with them as a band, having a blast. I mean, Chino in the audience would like, how many times did he just go, thank you all, thank you all so much? Like, he was still just so grateful to be there. And I love that about artists. They're just like still enjoying their work so far in, playing the same songs every year, but just loving it, you know? I got to see them on the White Pony tour. Uh, nice. And so, you know, that's 20 years ago, something like that. And I think that, uh, seeing them again, you know, last year, uh, they, they did not feel like they had necessarily that they were very different than the first time. Like oftentimes when I watch bands, um, like when I was younger and then come back and get to see them again as an, as an older person, um, as an older person, 
uh, I'd get to see them again in my forties. Uh, I experienced like they've become better musicians, but they've lost some of their like youthful zip. Yeah. Like it's the youthful, like uh, emotions and, and, and energy that really propelled their music. Isn't there. I think about like three eleven. like I've weirdly seen three eleven a million times. Yeah, um, cause I have like two, two of my closest friends love three eleven, And so we've just been to a lot of three eleven concerts together. How um, random. I like three eleven. I don't, I don't think anything, I don't think ill of them. I just think that a lot of their music sounds the same. Yeah. Uh, but I've just happened to see them a lot and they strike me now as grownups pretending to be kids. Whereas, you know, when I watched Deftones back then and now, they just seemed like they were solid musicians who were putting on a professional show. I mean, she know, you know, now comes out in like, like not, if not a suit and tie, at least like, like a suit, like he's really like dressed up uh, and he, they just sound as like youthful and alive as ever. And they are really good musicians. Um, so if you ever get a chance to see them, they're, they're, they're pretty cool. Even if you don't like this Great. type of music, it's a fun show. It, yeah. So much fun. And uh, I probably wouldn't pick it to bury a body with a friend just because it's 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 so high energy. It's so like, <laughs> I don't think I'm happy to be there. I don't think I'm happy to be. I want to move on to my pick. I don't think that I'm happy to be burying a body with my friend at any point. Okay, look, um, I think that I think that we can find levity in any situation. <laughs> um, but Clearly. also, <laughs> they're not not all their songs are happy go lucky <laughs> like reaching for a zest for life that's just some There's of definitely them are... some uh pretty darker ones with like some more atmospheric kind of you know uh, it's true it's true anyway <laughs> but you're putting on rocket skates buddy anyway <laughs> yes <laughs> i think as i was working through this that's trying to activity. drown out the sound of the police sirens mostly actually. oh goodness gracious uh <laughs> We're on a, so I we should probably do a high speed chase at some point to follow that. <laughs> oh, that's um, a good one. All right. So uh I think as I was thinking through this mental exercise, you know, you need to say like cool and collected because this is a delicate situation. Um, but you also need something a little sinister um because what you're doing is is stomach churning and, and does not feel good. Like you are you are fully doing something that is uh, you know, a little untethered <laughs> from a daily experience. Uh, and so I wanted to go with something that was going to be like sinister, but grounded, uh, something that would allow me to get in that car with my friend and like, again, like look at each other and say like, this is, this is not okay. Nothing's ever going to be the same. We can never tell anybody this. We just need to get through this, uh, and, and make it out the other side. Uh, and so I went with 1995's to bring you my love by PJ Harvey. Bring you my love. Which was released the same year as Mariah Carey's Daydream. <laughs> this is a big, a big year for best album four. Uh, I actually think that, and before I get into my reasons for this, I actually think this is one of the best albums ever made. Certainly one of the best albums of the last 30 years. I think it deserves to be considered alongside like OK Computer and Loveless and Slanted and Enchanted, you know, as like the greatest albums uh, of not only the 90s, but of all time. And I don't think it gets as due as that. Like, do you know, are people still discovering PJ Harvey or is she not kind of been lost? Of to time i i kind of i mean obviously like people like you and me know of pj harvey of course but mm -hmm. like i do feel like you're right that she wasn't even that on my radar in the mid 90s because it mm -hmm. was just so drowned out by everything that had like i feel like 94 95 96 were such big music years sure so like especially for me again kid growing up in small town oklahoma 
how did do, how does someone like PJ Harvey break through the you know MTVness of what was popular? Yeah, no, that's real. I mean, I remember she kind of had a one one kind of hit song um, with uh, "Down by the Water," um, which is amongst the reasons that I chose this album. And it's a really cool song, like has this like beefy organ line um, that just immediately pulls you in. That blue-eyed girl. But it's a dark song. Like I, when I was first thinking through um, you know, what I was going to choose here, I immediately went to like murder ballads, like you know Tom Waits <laughs> and Nick Cave, and yeah. you know, just thinking through like who are you know the the artists where they're just singing about like David Lynch style like murder <laughs> and Johnny and like Cash. telling stories about that Johnny Cash. Um, and I think PJ Harvey, you know, she's been so influenced by a lot of those of a lot of those musicians. And and friends with them, and I think dated Nick Cave for a period. Um, her music has that murder ballad thing going on. Her, a lot of her lyrics are really dark. I actually read that there was a moment when she was making the album uh, Is This Desire, where she had this kind of awakening uh, reading or listening back to her performance of one of the songs on that record and realizing like, Oh, this is dark. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I don't know if this is okay. This is really dark, <laughs> and uh, she's definitely like playing with lots of different things. And she's talked time and time again about how she is not, uh, you know, uh, this is not autobiographical in any mean mm-hmm. meaning of the word. Like there is uh, no truth to any of these songs as far as their content. But she does seem to be playing with a lot of really interesting ideas, um, and kind of like doing this soul searching for herself of like. Uh, you know, what, what is in people's hearts when you go to the darkest places? And mm. I think that's really interesting, like place to explore in, in songs and in books. Yeah. And, and uh, I think it's part of what draws people into this experience of when we kind of let our basest urges, you know, kind of s- like flourish in our imagination for just a moment. Um, there's a lot of really interesting things that come up that's just like kind of inside of us, uh, apparently waiting to come out. And that's weird. Like, it's weird that, you know, I think about my life and, and, and wanting to sort of devote myself to the flourishing of others and wanting to devote myself to the flourishing of my children, uh, and, and of the, of the created world. And I want to like put things into the world that is move that moves people and, and that makes people think and, and to love and to experience beauty. And also I could spend an hour like gaming out where I'm going to bury a body with a friend. And it feels like all of that's just kind of mixed in there. Cause we have these base urges as people. And I think ah. PJ Harvey explores that stuff. Really I, see this, I see why this was clicking for you now. Yeah. You were kind of so, doing the same thing about like, what, what would this be like? Absolutely. So there's three tracks on here that I, I really love. I mean, I love this whole record, but there's three tracks in here that for this situation, um, tell a very interesting story. So track one, which is, uh, to bring my love, uh, is there's these lyrics like I've lain with Satan. I've cursed God above in order to bring you my love. I've lain with the devil. That's sort of the idea that she's exploring of in order to get back to you, I've gone through hell and I've done things that I, I don't think are good for the human soul, but here I am at your doorstep. Um, and then there's this other track called Teclo, uh, which is number f- track five, Burhichi, one of the lyrics is, let me ride on his grace for a while. Let me ride, let me ride on his grace for a while. It's a lot of God. Uh, a lot of God lyrics in this very dark, 
murdery album <laughs> um, where she's sort of looking for redemption from these choices that she's made. And the way that she sings is she has this like really gorgeous, like tenor voice um, that kind of rattles and rasps. And she, if you've listened to some of her older stuff, like rid of me or dry, like she uses her voice to great effect, uh, just like getting really guttural. And, you know, it's not a, like a lot of the bands that we like, it's not a, uh, a voice that would like, you know, you wouldn't, play it at a choral concert um but yeah. she has this like all of her emotions are spewing out in her through her voice and she's actually in recent years gone more into this like high falsetto that i don't i don't like as much and i think that's one of the reasons that i've fallen away from some of her music huh, interesting. um including she has a new record that just came out uh that i i wanted to like but it's just she's in her falsetto too much but the other track the track that is most important to me here is a track called working for the man do you know working for the man no so I'm going to play it right now for people. I'm just working. Well, uh, so it is like slinky and sultry. And, uh, you know, there's just like this really cool bass line that's going through it. And it's, it's kind of calm and reserved. It feels like the type of song you would play while you're driving down a highway where the like sky is blood red and you're doing something, uh, un, you know, unseemly. <laughs> And then the way that she pipes in her vocals, I, I don't totally know how she gets this effect, um, but the way she pipes in her vocals sounds like they're coming from the trunk of the car. Like they sound like they're coming from kind of behind the music. Oh. Uh, it's very, very interesting. It's very cool. Like she has kind of her proper vocal line. And then every now and then there's just like, vocals will come out of the side of your headphones and they'll feel very moved and they'll feel muffled. And there's this feeling of, Oh, this song is not about burying a body with a friend, but it kind of is. <laughs> like it's kind of yeah. feels that like, sounds like the song for burying what you thought was a dead body with your friend, but <laughs> well, again, actually they're still alive. <laughs> again, B Billy bats is my model for burying a body. And he was not, <laughs> he needed to be, uh, well, anyway, <laughs> you can watch Goodfellas. I don't need to explain the plot of Goodfellas to you. Uh, but anyway, I just really, really dig this album. Um, it is, uh, she's kind of got this untethered soul, like fighting for humanity thing going on. And and I, I hope people rediscover her because, um, you know, people like keep discovering Joni Mitchell, it seems like. They keep discovering, you know, uh, like the great female songwriters of, of all time. And PJ Harvey deserves to be in every conversation like that. And not yeah, just female vocalists or female writers, like any, any musician. And I'm a little bummed that she's getting lost of time. So I'm going to do yeah. my little part here to say PJ Harvey easily, this album is easily in my top 50. It's probably in my, within my top 30. Um, wow. I remember, you know, hearing this as a kid. So it's a, um, down by the water came out and there was a video for it. And I think it was on some kind of sampler CD that I got and it's just so weird and cool. And, and that baseline is so beefy. Uh, and she's like kind of, she's just got a different vibe than all the other like female artists back then. Um, it sounded really cool and uh, I was really drawn into it. And I remember getting this probably from like BMG or Columbia house or, you know, something I doubt, or maybe even Red Harrell's. Maybe I bought it. I bought a used copy at some point and, and just playing like song after song where she's doing different things in every song. And every song is so cool. Um, this is a masterpiece of an album. You, It's funny because when you sent this to me and I was, I, I was like, Oh, I have not, I haven't actually spent a lot of time with PJ Harvey. Mm -hmm. um and this is this is my opportunity to do it because because david's picking this album and i mean from the minute i put it on i was like 
oh, I'm back in the 90s. All right. Yeah. <laughs> like it yeah. was it was just like immediately that sound. And I mean, it's so into it. And it, what's funny is that I feel like that sound has resurged mm. in so many, so many ways with so many artists um, it, like recently that I do feel like she does owe a lot, you know, in terms of that heritage to, you know, contributing to that sound in a yeah. way that she probably doesn't get credit for um because patriarchy i guess but <laughs> I guess, <yeah. laughs> but i mean i was just i was immediately like putting this into the category mentally with you know melancholy or or nirvana or i was just like oh my god yeah right just well, interestingly, slot, let's just slot that right in yes uh, awesome so she produced her first couple of records i don't know if both of them were with steve albini but probably just the second one was do you know steve albini no. He was um he's this legendary producer who who made a bunch of records that you love in utero and the Pixies records and some of the Breeders records, um and he produced uh at least rid of me, uh, and his whole thing is like I just want to record you in your rawest form and like capture what it's like to listen to you play by yourself in this studio, um without any flourishes, and so she she her first couple records sound very like it's not just her she's part of like a trio but. Uh, you know, it, it sounds very, uh, very much like you're just catching this person singing on the corner as loudly yeah. and as emotively as you can. But then the third record, she actually starts working with Flood. Do you know Flood? No. So Flood was the producer for like U2 and Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy. How do you know all these producers? It's just like, dude, producers matter, man. The encyclopedia of knowledge <laughs> that you producers have. Matter. Not just about the music, but about like all the background story of the music sure. is, is it continues to amaze. Well, because here's it amazes me and amazes our listeners. You can find, <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, you can find, <laughs> you can follow these threads. Like people work with producers to try to capture something somebody else had. Uh, yeah, and, you no, know, totally. You can just follow their careers. I don't think that I don't think there's anything about Flood's production on "To Bring You My Love" that is reminiscent necessarily of "Melancholy," but you can definitely tell that there's a hand. Like, I mean, clearly, PJ Harvey is the is the solo songwriter here. Like, she is, you know, her demos sound as cool as anything that ends up in the in the end of, in the end result. But he's sort of got you know like a little guiding hand on the steering wheel as a producer. Uh, and he's bringing in some, some beefiness to her sound uh, that feels like the nineties. And it's probably mm. a sound that I really, really miss. Like I, I love I, three or four of her records. I really love. She's got one called stories from the city stories from the sea that you should listen to. That's my, I think that's probably my favorite, like just put it onto the background PJ Harvey record. Mm, um, okay. Like it's, it's one that your family will listen to with you. Uh, <laughs> And and in that one, she's not got. She doesn't have that same beefy, dark, you know, energy yeah. going on that she has in in this one. But it's interesting hearing you call out Smashing Pumpkins and '90s music uh, yeah. in general because because you're right. The producer, like, yeah, the thread there was probably much much deeper than I'm even realizing. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't so. like Flood's work as much as I like Cyclones or um, or Hail. But, you know, uh-huh. I see what you're doing too. here and it's lost on me because I'm trying to imagine, <laughs> are those real producers? I don't think so. <laughs> no, I'm so gullible. Not. I've noticed <laughs> editing this podcast that I am very gullible on this podcast. Like I take the headphones off and I'm not super gullible <laughs> and I just take everything you say at face value on this podcast. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. <laughs> and that's because you do like you have this encyclopedic knowledge of the history of all the albums you pick. And I'm just bullshitting. Like they're just like, I'm just here for entertainment value. Everyone. I appreciate it though. You bring out something good in me and we each other. It's fun. All right. So, so that's my pick PJ Harvey bringing my love. 
Uh, you should listen to this even if you're not burying a body with a friend. Uh, and but especially if you are, but especially if you are <laughs> now. Uh, so my buddy Jason is the one who who approached he approached me with this topic, and I told him that you know we'll shout him out and give him a chance to pick something himself, so a record that he likes. And he said, you know, he's not really an album guy; he's more of a singles guy. But he threw a couple things Classic. at us to consider. One of his choices was Toadie's Possum Kingdom, which was pretty inspired. He was, uh, I'm sorry, the the album is called Rubberneck. He was picking it for the song Possum Kingdom. <laughs> That actual whole album still has a lot of that same like murder, murder ballad, vi- <laughs> like violence thematically. It was a great pick. The other ones he picked were Patsy Cline, um, specifically ah. for Crazy and Walking at Midnight. And then yeah. Johnny Cash's Live at Folsom. Yeah. Uh, I think those are solid rock solid choices for yeah. like building I, a playlist. I definitely thought of Johnny Cash for for like one of my honorable mentions for sure. Patsy Cline uh, is interesting to me because I don't think this is what she was intending when she was writing her music, but I think over time it's taken on this quality of like, you know, waitress in a small town, like working class, uh, you know, just getting by, uh, kind of country western feel that I really love. Like I'm really drawn to that very specific type of country music, uh, and it's very good for this type of work. Let's talk about our canons uh, for a few minutes because we're kind of going long here. Uh, so we have two albums. Uh, you know, I think that my ultimate question for you is how many Deftones albums will be in your <laughs> canon by the end of this project? Uh, I don't know. I think this one. <laughs> I think this one deserves to make it into my yeah. personal canon at least. I don't yeah. know if it would be in our shared canon, but I, I love this album. And and whenever, whenever I have listened to something a lot. Whenever I can listen to it back and forth and not have to skip any tracks, to me that is a that is a pretty clear canon indicator. And Diamond Eyes is it for me? Yeah, uh, not in our shared canon. Um, certainly, there's another one that will be, but yeah, uh, I actually didn't really. I kind of lost track of Deftones uh, until we got ready to go to that concert, and then I kind of binged through a lot of their <laughs> more recent records. Uh, and there, it was great. It was a great record. Um, I think I just need more time with it, but. Yeah. And the reality is that when I want to listen to Deftones, I just reach for White Pony. So I don't know if right. I'm going to actually spend much more time with it. <laughs> but it I is very good. I, I have, especially in, in light of going to that concert, I definitely like went back and revisited some of their albums and then made a whole... Now I've got a whole Deftones playlist, kind of like mm. my version of a Greatest Hits you yeah. know, playlist that kind of spans their whole catalog, which is fun. Yeah. Uh, Dreaming My Love is my number 32 album of all time. If you oh, my God. Track you actually home. have a number. Heck, yeah, I do. I mean, that number fluctuates <laughs> all the time, right? Like of that, course. It could be anywhere between like 20 and 100 yeah. you know, in any yeah. given month. Because um, the listeners and I both know that you make lists for fun. I do. And so, uh, you know, that, that deserves to be in the canon, of course. Um, I loved this record as a kid. I love this record now. Uh I think she actually has at least two records, maybe three in my canon. So uh, big, big, good, huge record that everybody should check out. If you don't know it, take some time and check it out. Just beware murder ballads. (laughs) (laughs) Big, good, huge record. (laughs) I was just laughing at you the way that you described that. (laughs) That's fair. It's all staying in. All right. So do you want to hit some honorable mentions real quick? Yeah. I mean... For me, again, just 
sticking through the with a friend part. Weirdly, I went with I, I was looking at Lady Sings the Blues by Billie Holiday. Oh, okay. Looking at like Strange yeah. Fruit, you know what I mean? Like, it's this. Uh, that is that this song a, has too much history for oh, me to God, pick it from I know. this. But. I, and I, it also feels like it has too much history for me to pick it in general. <laughs> so yeah, well, that's fair. Yeah, that's didn't necessarily feel like that was. I don't get right to play that this. song. Um, I was also looking at Black Sabbath. I mean, like the self-titled album that basically like defined what metal is. I was like, it, should mm. we go back to the source here? But it, even that album felt too happy-go-lucky for me for this, which is weird. <laughs> um, I thought about the XX, you know, their self-titled album. Like, mm. is this That'll like, can good. we get dark in that way? But it was, but it was still too like relational focused. I don't know. I was but, also looking at Things We Lost in the Fire by Low. Um, mm. as like a, you know, could I go in a more shoegazy direction? But no, none, none of that felt exactly right to me. I still feel confident, uh, and diamondized Dave. Nice. Uh, I thought about a lot of Trent Reznor music. First of all, like some of the soundtrack mm. work, like the social network, but also like Nine Inch Nails, the fragile or some of his, his later, yeah. um, Nine Inch Nails records that are kind of more Moody's the wrong word, but they're kind of more, um, I guess melodic, yeah. Uh, you know, and so I thought about the fragile. I thought about Massive Attack's mezzanine. Um, thought about Tom Waits' Rain Dogs. If I was ever going to pick Tom Waits for something, it would be here, uh, and I didn't. So I guess we're never talking about Tom Waits unless you pick something. <laughs> this is just not my guy. Uh, and then I thought about just playing TV on the radio's DLZ on repeat, <laughs> and just just that getting song. in the car and playing that song on repeat because that song sounds like exactly what we're doing. <laughs> nice. I, I thought of Nine Inch Nails too, and I, I love the downward spiral. And I was like, ooh, maybe that's mm. right for this. And then it was again the with a friend part. I was like, there's no friends in this ah. album. We are <laughs> yeah, not. That's right. No one can. This is a completely alone, nihilistic. Like you know what I mean? And I, I feel was like, like there's no downward there's no spiral here. though. You're like you're kind of leaning into like I did this on purpose. Like I, <laughs> yeah, seriously. I like you're Dexter maybe. or something. Like, For real, this was no accident. <laughs> <laughs> I think I had to go with something that felt accidental, and like my soul is changed in the aftermath, not in the lead up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's very fair uh what do you listen to this week you know i have been revisiting the album singles by future islands which is a summer staple for me you know like it's one of it's one of the ones i reach for when the weather gets hotter um probably because i think it originally came out in the summer of i want to say 2014 um and it's just a it's just a fun like it's just a fun lighthearted record it's funny because i've kind of followed some of what future islands has done after and like there's been a few tracks that have pulled me but like no complete album of theirs except for this one i really like reach for Mm -hmm. but it just has that perfect mix of kind of like strange electronic um that combo of the um synths and electric electronic bass lines and the growl of Jay Garrett Walmers, the uh, uh, lead singer is just, I don't know. It's just, it's, it works for me in this album, especially and for this summer, especially. So if you have not listened to this album, definitely recommended summer. Listen. Yeah. I'm, I think we're planning a big episode around summertime records pretty soon. And uh, if that one is not mentioned, I'll be shocked because yeah. it's great. Uh, I have been listening to a, a newish album, 2023 album by a group called Bedroom, which is stylized as BDRMM. Um, they are a shoegaze band. The album's called I Don't Know. Uh, they're a shoegaze band from uh, the UK. 
and they uh I thought that the the first half of this album has so much great songcraft uh that it kind of rose above other shoegaze bands. You'll like it. Um you know, it's got kind of that beach house slow dive vibe. Uh the one thing I'll say is that about halfway through the album I was kind of ready to you know I didn't feel like I felt like we were kind of getting into the same in this track after track. Mm-hmm, so I don't mm-hmm. know if this one was going to like land on my end of the year, but the first several songs are really, really good. When you're looking for them, look for BDRMM. Um, but I'm, I know what's pronounced bedroom that's just stylized uh, annoyingly uh, for, for their SEO. Uh, but anyway, the album's called <laughs> I Don't Know. Uh, Alps, be careful. And then, especially the song called It's Just a Bit of Blood. Good songs that'll land on playlists uh for oh my for a long time did you know that there are several artists called bdrm no i went to apple music to try to find this this and there's like several <laughs> oh, why are there of these so many? I was like what oh because they're all bedroom musicians yeah probably yeah yeah we're looking for the one that's uh a bunch of guys in stocking caps <laughs> you know like you do <laughs> Anyway, not a full-throated recommendation this week, but I've enjoyed it enough to uh, turn people onto it. It's good. Nice. All right, next week we're doing our, we're finally doing our Running From Zombies episodes. You guys can look forward to that. Uh, If you have any feedback on our uh, choices for best album for Burying a Body with a Friend, (laughs) I think save it. I don't think we want to know it. Unless you want to have an hour-long conversation about what it says about you, that that is your pick. I just want to say that if a zombie apocalypse actually does happen, that you will probably need to reach for this album several times. Because, you know, if mainstream media has taught us anything, you'd probably be burying several of your friends. And apologies in advance. Uh, This episode was a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) I want to apologize to everyone, but I hope you enjoyed it. (laughs) I kind of enjoyed it. Good times. (laughs) All right, buddy. I'll see you next week. All right, bye.